Nature is weird, and the Patagonian Mara is weird right alongside it. It's not enough that it's a crazy rabbit kangaroo deer, but it also has a form of communication that we can all agree is pretty gross. But when everything out there wants to steal your girl or eat her for lunch, you need to take drastic measures or you're in for a rough surprise here in life, death, and taxonomy. Bienvenidos a Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Me amo es Joe. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Does, oh, oh, I'm Carlos. Y hoy estamos hablando de un animal argentino con platas largas y un método de comunicación único. That was impressive, but I don't think anybody's listening anymore. <laughs> well, this is what I, what I just said was we're talking about a Argentinian animal with long legs and a unique method of uh, of uh, communication. And because it was Argentinian, I wanted to you know give a little Spanish speaking introduction. You got to work on your Argentinian accent in Spanish. Argentinian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the this is a. Uh... This is an interesting one. Brace yourselves, everyone. I think the beginning will be fine, but it's one we get to the major fact <laughs> that I'll that I'll give a little bit of a warning. Give a little bit of a whistle. Nope. That was good. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about the Patagonian Mara, aka. Well, this is what it's also called. Not outside outside of my own nicknames, it's called the uh, Patagonian Cavy Cavy. Cavy, C-A-V-Y, uh, the Patagonian hare, even though it's not a hare or a rabbit, um, or the Dillaby. <laughs> it's like there's – that's the other side of the world. That sounds like something that an Australian would call it. I've got to see a man about a Dillaby. <laughs> but what we're going to call it here – is the Patagonian, Patagonian Mara. Man, this is going to be hard to say. Patagonian Mara. Or Patty. I guess we can call him that. But I I wanted to call it the Chemical Chimera. The Reeking Rodent. And you're in trouble, mister. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really uh, a nickname, but something that I would say to it a lot. Yeah, those are some interesting names. Some gross ones. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, little bit of a, a teaser trailer for later. Patagonian Cavi. I like it. Do you? No. Well, would you like to know what science calls it? Nah, if we've got time. We do. It's in the kingdom Animalia. Let's get through that one real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no suspense? No suspense. It's no animalia. fanfare? It's an animal. You okay, ever, we got it. Heard of those? Uh, phylum Chordata. You need those to hop around. Nope. Unless you are a bug. <laughs> <laughs> you... <laughs> And by bug, I mean insect. Sure. Uh, subphylum, if, if you're into that. Vertebrata. I'm pretty sure that's like everything we talk about. Almost everything, yeah. Class mammalia. We're getting into my neck of the woods. Look, look, look at me. Doing <laughs> yeah. a mammal here. Yeah, right? They're great. Uh, order, and this may come as a surprise, Rodentia. Yeah, I would have thought it was Lagomorphia. Yeah, because it looks like a Lagomorpha. Mm-hmm. And, or whatever a deer is. Survey day. Ah, <laughs> we are learning from this podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, order, Ordentia, family, Cavidae. Cavidae? Two eyes in a row. What do I do with that? Who could say? You, you, one of those two things sounds right. Yeah, Cavidae. Do I pronounce both vowels? 
Uh, let's just move on to the genus, and then we don't have to think about it. Uh, <laughs> Dolocotus? Dola I think that CH is a hard C. Delicatus? <laughs> this is delicatus. <laughs> That's what the predators think about it. Yep. Uh, and then the species is delicatus patagonum. There it is. There's your binomial name. Delicatus is great. That's definitely... It's... <laughs> if I had thought about pronouncing it that way, I would have created another nickname or something out of it. <laughs> um... <laughs> if, if you've got... Uh... If you, you got you for for part of the Patagonian Mars life, you have to censor it. So, don't look at his Patagonian Mars. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not completely untrue. We'll get into that. So, let's talk about what it looks like if you're driving. Uh, the Mara Patagonian style developed as a species during a time when scientists believe South America was cut off by water, so there was no land bridge there was no panama you know mm-hmm. uh so as we learn from the dracula ant and from bearded men that live in the mountains isolation often produces weirdos <laughs> <laughs> and manifestos <laughs> <laughs> yeah at least when it comes to the bearded man uh patagonia is a region in lower lower part of south america in like argentina a beautiful region yeah that i have not seen yet uh, we'll talk about the regional in a, uh, a little bit later. Uh, so there's a lot of weird animals there and weird fossils like giant sloths and giant armadillos. So like a lot of those big weird mammals that are in like the fossil record uh, come from this area because they're it's a weird place. Neat. I also like heard... a like a like a camel with a trunk. What? A camel with a trunk. Really? Yeah. What's that called? I don't I forgot. I couldn't find out. Camel W slash trunk. <laughs> yeah, that's it. C- camel feet featuring truck trunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a real thing. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh like artists uh, yeah, the it, artist named Camel joined by the artist named Trunk. Trunks from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Uh today. The Mara is mostly found in Argentina, like we said. So, in this case, this isolation produced an anatomical oddity. I'll say. Yeah. Just it, by looking... It produced an, an-, an anatomical oddity. You said it. Uh, <laughs> you said it. I tried. That was hard. <laughs> uh, just by looking at them, you might assume they are a lanky rabbit or some sort of small deer. But they are not... Either one of those things. Uh, they have long faces with round snouts, sort of like, sort of like a deer, deer esque. I think it looks. I think it's like a, a rabbit's whole head. Yeah, placed it, on it top a of rabbit a, head. a small deer. It does look like a hare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it has a round, lean body with short brown fur, uh, long, slender legs, and like toed feet that their their shape is similar to hooves, like. If you look at them, um, if you don't look at them, it's still similar to hooves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have wide nostrils, large eyes, and large rectangular ears. Um, they're they're in the rodent family. They're not deers. They're not. We we talked about rodentia, and if you look at like a capybara, which is also a large rodent, you could see the resemblance. 
Yeah, but when you look at it, yeah, the the whole is greater the than the sum of its parts. The whole is rodent than the sum of its parts. <laughs> More rodent. More rodent. Okay. Because it's it's Rodesque. its face is so lagomorphy, and it, then its it body is, is so cervidae. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Mm, I also when you look at it move, it does sort of like bunny, look like bunnies. Yeah, it's very swift. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to the part of the show where we get to talk about how big it is. Because how big could this thing be? We know, obviously, that the largest rodent is the capybara. But this thing is looks like a small deer. Well, it's got to be somewhere in between. Luckily, there's a there's a, just the best part of the show to explain how big it is. Oh, lucky me. Yeah. So today... Uh, the show is introduced by one of you, a listener. We have a special introduction uh, by Mario, who is also... My dad. Yeah. <laughs> he he made this introduction, and Carlos. So he's contributed to this podcast a lot. <laughs> <laughs> some, some would say that without him, this wouldn't have even happened. Right, yeah. <laughs> Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. One, two, three. Measure up. That's good stuff. That's a hearty intro. Hearty. Hearty, yeah. Like a good breakfast. Yeah. Like a chunky soup. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get right into length. Um, there are 69 to 75 centimeters or 27 to 30 inches. Let's call that a cool 2.5 feet. It's not exactly the middle. It's like 2.3, but whatever, for your purposes. Two and a half feet. Then, oh, this is, doesn't bode well. It sounds like it's going to be a really, really big number. <laughs> uh, how many Patagonian Maras go into the height of the Monumento a la Carta Magna y las Cuatro Regiones de Argentina? a.k.a. the Monument to the Carta Magna and Four Regions of Argentina, a.k.a. the monument, Monumento de los Españoles. It's a monument in Argentina. <laughs> Here's a hint. The monument was donated by the Spanish community in Argentina to show a s- just solid sportsmanship and to commemorate Argentinian independence from Spain. Uh... It represents the four regions of Argentina, including the Andes, which are the mountains, the River Plate, which is the wetlands, the Pampas, which is the plains, and the Chaco, which is a semi-arid region. The building started in 1910, but was not completed until 1914 because the death of a project manager, then the death of the second project manager, then quarry workers struck, stroke, striked, who could say? Stricken. Uh, yeah, Strong. and then there was a big old storm. So it was a four-year project because of these delays. What is it of? It's just a building? No, it's a monument. Sure. It's a big statue. Of what? So, like, there, it's like a square obelisk or, or a squared ob- obelisk. It's not a square, but it's it's rectangular, one might say. That's, that's What's the... a long square called? Oh, yeah, a rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and like there's statues depicting different people and there's four main ones, which represent the four regions. And those are what reliefs in the, in the rectangle. They're like full statues on it. Okay. Yeah. On it. Yeah. 
or near it. Who could say? You could. Well, I could. S- there, there are reliefs in the statue, and there's things on top. I think there's four on top, because I saw the monument as a whole, and then there was four JPEGs of them of the four statues, and they all were like had like they looked by themselves. So I'm assuming they're either on top or around the statue. Forty. Forty what? Forty Patagonian Mara lengths. Would you like to show your work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like we cut right to it. Um, a hundred feet for this statue. Okay. And there, two point five goes into one hundred forty times. The answer is thirty-two Maras. Nice. <laughs> I mean, did. I'm a little bit off, but still. Yeah, you, that was a good guess for the. I didn't write down the exact height of the statue, but you were pretty much close to it. So, because we recently did another statue. <laughs> oh, the last last episode we did the communist statue. Yeah. So I got a good idea of what a decently sized monument would look like. Would the, this one is a little bit more. This statue is a little has a little bit more to do with uh, <laughs> the animal because it's in the same country. The other one just had the word worker in it. <laughs> and I wanted to teach you a thing about North Korea. <laughs> All right, let's go to weight. They are 8 to 16 kilograms or 18 to 35 libs. Um, so that's males to females. There's a little bit of a difference. Uh, let's call that an even 26.5 pounds. How many maras go into the weight of a doggo argentino? An Argentinian dog breed. Really? Doggo? Yeah. D-O-G-O. Huh. D-O-G-O. Argentina. Here's a hint. <laughs> Sounds like you're just doing the worst Spanish. <laughs> doggo, yeah. Uh, I-O Havo and a doggo Argentino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's a hint. Uh, the doggo Argentinos were bred in 1928 for hunting large game like wild boar. The breed is a mix of several large dogs, including Great Danes and the now extinct Cordoba Fighting Dog. Four. Three and a half. Ah! <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe it's a big dog. We might have like an 80 to 100 pound dog here. It is a 93 pound on, on the upper end. 93 pounds on the upper end. Oh, you said you said 29 the, pounds. The largest that? male would probably be close to 100 pounds. We you said 29 pounds for the um, Patagonian Mara? 26. 26. 26 and a half. Yeah, so a little bit. All right. So that's it. You got it. I did it. The pretty close. I won. Yeah. In terms of the margin for error, I feel like they were, those were like equally close. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't astronomical. Right. <laughs> Finally. Things are, things are looking up. Sometimes it's important to me to teach you a thing about the country. <laughs> Sometimes I want to destroy you with astronomy. <laughs> great, great. I'm glad that your motives are pure. <laughs> uh, let's move on to some fast facts. The fact is that this fast fact is the fact that our friend is fast. Nice. <laughs> First try. <laughs> uh, so the Patagonian Mara uh, has powerful legs. He's lanky. He's slender. And he's built for speed. Uh, he can run at about 29 kilometers per hour, also known as 18 miles per hour. Pretty decent for a little guy. A little guy. Yeah. Uh, 
here's the next here's the next the not as fast fact um in more ways than one because it's not about speed and it's longer uh they mate for life uh males follow females around wherever they go lest she walk off and forget about them uh we'll talk more about that later (laughs) adults um share a burrow they they there can be two uh one mating pair in a burrow or they can share it with other mating pairs so it's like uh bachelor in paradise or something or uh, big brother's house or whatever (laughs) i don't know what that is but sure um so they keep young also in communal communal burrows uh, which are underground nurseries shared by several pups from different mothers. Uh, after digging the burrow, adults will never enter it again. <laughs> they they will uh, uh, the deposit these pups into the burrow uh, and then go off feeding uh, and then return. They'll call out to their pups. All the pups come out and then they'll smell the one that, that's theirs. They'll be like, this one smells like me. I'm, you can have some milk. Uh, and uh, side note, pups are scruffy and adorable. Uh, I didn't look at I didn't look at the pup. They're pieces. they're they're basically small versions of the adults, little deer rabbits. Yeah, and they're scruffy. Um, so adults hate PTA meetings, and they avoid each other when they're at the burrows, when they're at the 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 nursery burrows. They'll wait for one to come, and find their pup. And then leave, and then they'll show up and call out to the... So, this is easier for the parents, because I guess it's easier to... Like, alright, I'm finding one or two. Well, and then this person's not also looking, and the the, th- the, the kids are not getting distracted by different possible... Because we all look the same right now. <laughs> What's more like, like, well, those are the Andersons. Those guys are Steelers fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they'll approach, call out, the babies come out. Moms will give them a sniff and only give milk to the ones that smell like hers. Other hungry pups may approach different parents in the hopes of a meal and get batted away. Uh, communal burrows for adults and babies increase survival rates, but pups and pups in large groups have a high likelihood of making it to adulthood. Despite this, Maras are near threatened because they're hunted for their furs. Their furs apparently make good bedspreads. You would need quite a few Maras to make a bedspread out of this. Yeah. Mm, they're three feet long. Yeah. So you just... Probably like six. For a... For a, like a queen? Not necessarily a queen. Maybe only singles. <laughs> <laughs> but, but three is like a decent amount. It's not like mink coats. Minks are like tiny little rodents. Or maybe weasels. What's a mink? I think it's a weasel. Maybe we should do the mink next. It's a woozel. Um, <clears throat> but I, I just like the idea of like, we should do that. Like parents should have kids by the house next door. Pad it up. Nothing sharp. You go live in that house. We'll come over to feed you. It's probably... Those burrows, there's crayon on the walls... There's toys everywhere. Some of the kids are dead. <laughs> <laughs> They've established a hierarchy. One of them is the Dawn. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like um, the kindergartners from Recess. Yeah. 
You yeah. don't mess with them. They're like a tribe. They're like a tribe. Yeah. They're they're feral. Yes. <laughs> they're like the Lost Boys in there. <laughs> all right. That's what I. That's what I got. Well, so you've talked a lot about smelling. So let's talk about some scents. Well, that makes sense. All right. Here's the disclaimer for you children out there, for you parents with small children. We're about to talk a lot about pee. We're about to talk a lot about poop. <laughs> I'm going to say some words. One of those words or phrases being anal digging. <laughs> say more than once. So be prepared. <laughs> There's no skipping ahead. This is the end of the episode for those who are squeamish. <laughs> it's actually not super bad, but I just want to make sure that I know there are young, young children who listen to this show. Yeah. So if they're not ready to hear anal digging, they just heard it. If you're uh, also an adult who thinks that's gross, I'd also want to like, yeah, move on to next week's episode. All right. Bye. <laughs> just kidding. I'm right here. <laughs> Even though I think it's gross. So let's talk about the major fact. <clears throat> the Mara uses its urine and secretions from its anal gland to communicate with its mate and other members of the species. So far, we're not in uncharted waters. Yeah. Because we've talked about this with the Binturong. And we promised the uh, collared pika that we would talk about other animals' clo- cloacas. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um. So lots of mammals mark their territories. I've got two dogs, and they mark their territory all the time. They communicate pretty extensively through their urine. Like uh, a dog will walk up and smell a hydrant or a bush or something and be able to tell the age, the sex, um, and the health status, and sometimes even like parts of the diet just from their pee. I wonder if dogs can tell if you're sick from like when you pee. The way your bathroom smells. Yeah. Probably. They, they have very, very good schnozzes. And yes. they can smell individual ingredients instead of whole things. So you smell like, oh, that's pancakes. They smell eggs and flour and uh, whatever else goes in pancakes. Sugar. Wow. Syrup? I think that's it. Would that be better or worse? for if It know. depends on what you have to do. Yeah, I guess. It depends on if your job required you to find, like, an escaped convict. <laughs> <laughs> And you smell all these things, but you but you want to zero in on that ex- escape convict. convict Quick smell. side note: the way dogs find things, the way they train them to find things, uh, specifically drug sniffing dogs. I'm I'm not sure about the convict thing, but specifically drug sniffing dogs is that they train them by making like if you want to have a dog just that smells cocaine, finds cocaine in like airports, you will have their toy and like covered in cocaine and then like I'm assuming wash it off but just leaving the scent behind so they're not you know getting cocaine uh, <laughs> they don't like you have to grab it right before they get to it you're right so they make their favorite toy smell like cocaine and then they hide it and they find the toy so whenever you see a dog in the airport he's looking for his toy <laughs> isn't that adorable it's also sad because if there are no if the, no one's trying to smuggle anything He's just looking for his toy that will never come. It's worse when he finds it, because everyone yells and tackles him, and you never get your toy. (laughs) (laughs) 
He probably gets his toy <laughs> eventually. After they've tackled the I'm guy. sure, like at the end of the day, he gets his toy. <laughs> he uh, hard earned crack opens. He cracks open a cold one with the boys and chews on that toy. It it is nice to know that um, dogs that are working in their minds, they're playing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, so back to the Patagonian Mara. So they, like I said, lots of mammals mark their territory. But this is a weird one. The Mara is monogamous, like we talked about. They mate for life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the male is responsible for making sure that the relationship doesn't fall apart. Like yeah. you said, the female will just forget that she's in a relationship <laughs> and wander off. And so he is responsible for sticking around with her, following around places, and making sure no one else tries to steal his girl. So what he'll do um, is he'll pee on her. That's one way to do it. So she's just kind of like hanging out there, laying on the ground. He'll hike up and pee all over her rump, is what it said on the internet. Okay. <laughs> um, and if he's the if he's the male for her, if he's the Mara for her, she'll be fine with it. If he's not, then she'll spray pee back into his face. Okay. To be like, hey, well, I ain't your lady. If I was a male Mara, I'd hit and run. Yeah. Drive by, <laughs> but you would you wouldn't get the same saturation levels uh, as true. someone who is really dedicated to it. <laughs> um, so another thing that the male does is wherever she is feeding, he will create this mobile like circle around her of territory. His territory moves where wherever she is, so so that other males don't show up. So the way he does this is, I mean, he'll pee on stuff, but he'll also uh, sit on the ground specifically so that his uh, rectum is against the ground and he'll kind of drag it around the circle in places. Is that what dogs do? This is called anal digging. Gotcha. <laughs> so he's leaving his the scents that come out of there around in a circle around her. And then she probably moves like 10 feet over and he's like, I got to do this again. I'm out. I'm dry. <laughs> I'm, Hold on, let I'm me, spent, woman. You need some fiber. <laughs> so, does this what dogs do when they're like rubbing on carpets? I think they're just trying to clean themselves. That's what I thought, because they don't have Charmin Ultra. So, <laughs> I imagine that... Bears do. Yeah. Bears definitely have Charmin Ultra. You, you, will, you will never catch a bear doing this. <laughs> no, they just scratch on trees. Not their butts. Their backs. Yeah. But yeah, so... Every, every time she moves, he's got to recreate this this mobile zone of just fragrance, just beautiful odors. He creates a perimeter. Yeah. Um, so, and they'll also pee on their children. And that's how they know. Gotcha. They'll sniff and be like, "This is my child," because it smells like my pee. Good. Because when I when I was reading, it just said. It smelled for their kids. And I'm like, I guess all kids smell different. Nope. All kids smell like pee, but only one kid smells like your pee. <laughs> Take that to heart. <laughs> I'm imagining they're peeing in their like lost boy's den, too. I'm surprised it doesn't get all muddled. I guess their snouts are that good. Yeah. They have very, very develop, highly developed sensory organs, especially olfactory ones. Gotcha. I don't know. We've we've been doing a lot of like the best this sense. So like the the star nose mole, the star nose mole, and it's tactile, 
And then the baronet's nose. No, the bear, the bear's nose is really good. I don't know if this is better than a bear's uh, snout. It might be. Well, we don't know because we know the bear is good at smelling things from far away, but we don't we don't know if he's good at detecting things. Yeah, know? he just knows there's a smell over there. Yeah, and it smells but, like food. Yeah. So he's got distance. Yeah, and like through objects somehow and through water and uh, and ice and like, cars <laughs> it's like he could smell a picnic basket that is under a lake that is frozen over <laughs> yeah in, in a car that's under a lake that's frozen over if you're a bear on keto that stinks in more ways than one because <laughs> you can smell all the good pastries but imagine having that like schnoz and then just everyone's anal digging around you. Just everywhere. So you're just like, I'm going to cover the ground with my pee. If you're interested. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> well, dogs eat gross food. Rodents are into gross things. I'm assuming they're okay with it. Yeah, they probably don't care. They probably like it. They know no other way. Unless you... Unless you present them with some Febreze. Yeah. Maybe a Yankee candle. Well, like, sir, like cats spray. Did you know that? Like a I, skunk? I did know that. But they don't. When they're in, you're, like most pets don't. So we, we show them another way. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, cats who are sick will spray all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, ugh. So, welcome to the Patagonian Mars butt life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it has as a bumper sticker on the back of its Ford F-150. Yeah. But, and then just a little round circle, and then life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for you out there in podcastia, be monogamous. Take care of your family. But try not to pee on your loved ones like the Patagonian Mara in life, death, and taxonomy. That's good advice. Wow. Glad that's over. The Patagonian Mara is pretty nasty, but we can learn a thing or two from it, can't we? For example, you can mark your mobile territory with interesting animal facts. Let your friends, family, and coworkers smell the glorious stench of your animal knowledge. If they ask you where you learned your stuff, you send them here to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. On the other hand, if they ask you to take a shower, you may reek of something other than knowledge. In either case, spread the word, leave a review, and definitely shower. See you next week. Life, Death, and Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> but when everything out there wants to steal your girl or eat her for lunch... You need to take drastic measures or you're in for a rough surprise here in life, death, and taxonomy. I get it. You're in. I'm trying. I'm trying here. <laughs>